Hey friends, on today's episode of Egg with Miss Wedger, I am talking to Lauren Henderson down in Texas, and she is dropping all of the vet science truth bombs on us. I am so excited. Um, she is going over what type of crick or what types of things you should be teaching in your classroom, um, really kind of covering that vet science curriculum, and also going over the vet science CDE and how you might prepare your students for that. So buckle up, it's going to be great. Hey friends, I am here today with Lauren Henderson, and she is an agriculture teacher at Judson High School in Converse, Texas, and I got connected with her um, on the old Instagram, and um, was chatting with her a little bit, and uh, really asked her what her area of expertise was, and she said vet science, Um, and so we're going to talk today a little bit about vet science, and what type of curriculum you probably should be doing in your classroom and about the CDE, a little bit, some tips and tricks, but I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit more. Welcome, Lauren. Hi. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your AGED background? How'd you get into AGED? Um, I wasn't originally going to be in agriculture education. Um, I started off in the veterinary industry and then when I went back to college for my bachelor's degree I was asked to do ag education um, along with just a general ag degree and so I said fine I'll do that it sounds interesting but I'll never teach and here I am (laughs) teaching eight years now going into my ninth year (laughs) isn't that funny yes (laughs) so um, I didn't originally go to school to be a teacher that wasn't my dream Um, but I fell into it and I love it I couldn't ask for a better job yeah I know I was the same way when I um, went into ag ed I was like well I just really like the ag ed major because then I could really do anything in the ag ed industry and I don't really think I'm going to teach and then um, (laughs) my one of the fellas who I student taught with was like, no, I actually think you need to be a teacher. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. So-, <laughs> so what is your, you talked, you said that your background, mm-hmm. um, that you were in the vet science or animal science industry before. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So um, I do have my bachelor's from Texas State. That's where I finished up at in Texas in San Marcos. Um, But originally, I started in the vet clinic at 16 years old in Spring Branch, Texas, and worked in the kennels. Um, And then collectively over high school, working through college, and as a career, I've been in the industry for 10 years. Um, I went to vet tech school at Palo Alto College in San Antonio, Texas, and I actually have my license um, as a veterinary technician. It's called an LVT here and um, worked several years in the industry and even in emergency medicine and then um, decided to get my bachelor's and that's when I switched careers. Um, I would have to say emergency medicine, though, by far is my favorite. Uh, yeah (laughs) I can only imagine (laughs) it's a lot of work and some days are a little slower than others but some days it would just be jam-packed with case after case and was very interesting the cases that we saw it wasn't just usually little things like in a small animal clinic Um, 
and those were late hours. And so there was some downside to it. Uh, late hours, uh, mornings, uh, we'd be there till eight or nine after we'd been there since midnight. Um, weekends obviously were a must. And then, um, it's also not really for the faint of heart. If you don't like emergencies, that would not be a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. So when you did emergency medicine, were you uh, in small animal or large animal or was it kind of a mix? Uh, that one was just a, a small animal clinic. Okay. They have a few here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, it used to be called the emergency pet clinic uh, or EPC. And then now it's under new direction. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm so interested. Like, I bet you have really good, like, I don't know, what was your coolest or, like, most um, interesting emergency that you worked at? Uh, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, several of them would be, like, you'd try to guess what it is along with the doctor. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, like, it'd be like, yeah, we got it right. And then uh, trying to, like, do CPR on dogs that are not doing well. Um, that was always a good thing when the, you could get them to come back or hitting the little tiny van on a tiny kitten. Um, that was always like your mo- like your moment. You're like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. And then yeah. to have like that time piece with it where they're right. like, <laughs> we I, need to get this done. <laughs> right. I think one of the most interesting cases was a dog or a cat that came in and had eaten um, probably 30 hairbands. Um, oh my and they thought it was a mass in the abdomen because she didn't know she was missing a whole pack of hairbands oh my god so when we opened it up it had like 30 hairbands in there (laughs) oh my goodness that's probably (laughs) one of my favorite stories (laughs) I've had some um when I taught vet science I had a um, local vet come in and she would bring a couple of x-rays that were really interesting and there was two that I remember um, where she said it looked like a mass in the abdomen area mm-hmm. um, and it was a black lab <laughs> <laughs> and the lab had eaten like eight different random things that were in there like underwear oh, and yes. just stuff like that <laughs> and it was like oh my gosh there was some things you'd pull out you're like what <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> On some of those cases. <laughs> oh, you definitely have some good experience in the animal science world, which I'm sure has helped you so much in just teaching vet science. <laughs> um, so within the industry, you said that um, emergency uh, medicine was your favorite. Looking at your like vet science curriculum, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think like... Well, let me back up there. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> your area of, of expertise within the industry, you said emergency medicine is your favorite, but what are those like other specific areas that you like, um, that interest you or you like to focus in on? Uh, I like to focus on like clinical pathology. So more like your fecal exams, your analysis um, and parasitology that kind of falls underneath both of those. And then like pathology also encompasses like your cells. So if you had tumors, you would aspirate them and look at the different cells in there. And I, we would always send off our findings to a major laboratory for diagnosis, but it was always sure. fun to do one at the house at, in house and kind of see if you were on the same page. Um, that's where I like to have my fun. <laughs> 
Absolutely. It sounds like you're doing like inquiry based learning. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um, I love parasites and I'm like super gross where I like to like, I always show my students the pictures of like, I don't know, like the heartworm, just like ridiculous Mm -hmm. infestation of heartworm and like (laughs) ridiculous infestation. We have wood ticks here. Do you guys have wood ticks in Texas? Uh, we have ticks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird because I, so since I have met people like across the U.S., I'm like, is this just a Minnesota thing? Do you guys have that there? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, we oh. have it all. Texas yeah. seems to have a lot and like gross I, stories. Like those are the best, like the abscesses. Those were, those are some good ones. <laughs> oh, I would love that. And what's, I always forget what it's called, but the one um, that gets up the nose Oh, the, the uh, I want to, oh, I don't know, but it's like a parasite that can go up their nose and then it, you see it in kittens a lot and then they'll pull it out. The videos. Oh, I love that. I've never seen that one. That's one I have not seen. <laughs> I will have to share that. Yes, please do. It's really disgusting, <laughs> but I love it. Oh man. <laughs> um, so thinking about the vet science curriculum that you teach in your class, what are the mm-hmm. units that you cover? I feel like you have a really good, like you have that industry experience too. And so um, if teachers are wondering like, what should we be covering? What's important? What would a vet want us to know? Mm-hmm. Kind of walk us through what your vet science curriculum looks, looks like. Okay. Um, I don't use one in particular. I kind of pull from a variety of places and resources. Um, And because I do have that industry, I kind of picture it a little bit differently than maybe like a scope and sequence does. Sure. To see how it is in a clinic where you start learning terms and then you kind of go from there and build on that. So that's how I teach my kids. Um, Kind of in an order, you might see things in a clinic before you actually dive into things. Okay. Uh, so that's how I prefer to teach them. Um, I start with the basics like terminology um, and uh, they te- I don't teach every term out there. I just teach a few of the basic things um, and then also um, acronyms. We use a okay. lot of those in the clinic. And so um, if they don't know what a TPR is when they walk into a vet clinic, they're going to be a little lost. Uh, yeah, they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, so a temperature, pulse, and respiration. Um, so I teach them a few acronyms that you might see. Um, there's a few that like you don't really see uh, listed anywhere, but I'm just used to seeing on a record when we would have them come in, like HBC is one you don't see um, to be taught, and that's hit by car. Um, oh yeah okay. I did not know that one <laughs> yeah so that's one of the ones like they're like oh my gosh that happens I'm like you wouldn't even understand how many times that comes in um, yeah. but thinking about it like a lot of people do live very urban um, yeah and um, so we see a lot of that in those clinics um, okay so my question with terminology and I am sorry I don't have this ahead of time for you to it's be okay. able to think about it but uh, how do you make it fun? Because like, I know I've done a few different things, but I always feel like terminology is that one where I'm like, this can be so boring. If you just sit there and go through the terms or go through the abbreviations or the acronyms and stuff like that. Um, so there is a dice game that I found um, on one of the websites. And that one seems to be pretty fun and trying to come up with new words and 
um, they like to see what they can put together. And I'm like, that's not a word. But it does make sense when you roll the dice a little bit. Like, they're learning the terms. Um, okay. Do the dice have letters on them? Or they have yes. numbers? Or how does that So work? they would have to have, like, a um, prefix, a suffix, and a root word that they make three dices. And they oh. choose words for each of those die or pre- a pre- not really words but prefixes and suffixes and then the root words and then they try to come up with a word and see if they can decode it even if it really may not be a true word um, okay so, I like that <laughs> I mean that's kind of about as fun as we get besides a few quizzes um uh-huh. <laughs> terminology really isn't one that it's hard been able to make super fun (laughs) yeah I found one um one that I did that the kids really liked um was like 21 questions so they had to like pick a term or an acronym or whatever it was out of like a hat and then the students had to ask questions like yes or no questions to try and guess what it was oh yeah so like is it a prefix yes or no is it a suffix yes or no it does it mean sh- shortness of breath or whatever else um and so that was one that was kind of fun and you could do it like in pairs or you could do it as a whole class or smaller groups mm-hmm. um and that was one that I like happened upon and was like oh this is good <laughs> but <laughs> it is just that. such a struggle I always try I don't know I always try and come up with new fun ones because terminology is it's so important, but it's it can be kind of, like, lackluster sometimes. Yeah. And the kids really like that Kahoot game. Um, yeah. You could even just kind of create pretty much anything, and then they get to log in on their phone. How exciting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so you do terminology, mm-hmm. and then where do you go from there? Okay, so normally, like, the scoping sequence tells you to go into breeds and uh, that kind of stuff, and I don't mm-hmm. teach that in there because we actually have a separate class. Um, actually two classes so I have a small animal class and we have a livestock class I teach the sure. small animal and that's where I teach the breeds of the animals and grooming techniques as well where that's also listed in like veterinary science techniques. Um, so I don't recover that I mean they do get a little bit of exposure to that when the animals come in for grooming for that class um, but other than that we don't really cover it as a specific topic um, then we move into like receptionist work and how to greet clients and be customer friendly and um a lot of times as a receptionist you're the first ones to see a patient yeah or, mm-hmm, and talk to the owners and really getting a kind of an idea of what's going on so you can let the technicians go in and go from there um or assistants um and then go into client bereavement there's a lot of those uh, animals that do come in to be sad but euthanized um Mm -hmm. really old and or they have some major issues going on so that is something that is not gonna be one of those things that you don't see in a clinic it's not an everyday thing but they do need to know how to handle that situation um in and it can vary per clinic and that's kind of the thing I tell the kids like just because I tell you how I I'm used to seeing it doesn't mean that's not the way your clinic's going to want it someday. How do you teach that? How do you teach like client bereavement? So with that, I just kind of go over like as a receptionist, your role is to know that that pet is coming in most likely. Um, Sometimes it happens as a technician in the room, you're discussing options and then it becomes that. 
Um, but as a receptionist, if you're accepting that client, the big, the best thing is to get them in a room right away. Um, and then allowing the technicians to take over. Um, and then just being really solemn about it. You don't want, you may be having a really good day and things are happening in the back and laughing and stuff. And so you try to go back and tell everyone, Hey, this is what's going on. And you, you create a more solemn environment for those people because it's mm-hmm. sad for them. Um, yeah. And it's one of those things that it's sad for us as technicians, but we see a lot of it. And so you become a little, I guess, um, desensitized. Yeah, absolutely. A really big con- yeah, unless you've had a big connection with them. Um, so sometimes it was easy just to roll through the appointment, but you have to remember that's their pet. And a lot of times it's their family member, um, not just the animal. Um, and so you have to be really considerate of their feelings with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is, I think that's really great to be able to teach that too, because I think that's probably something that a lot of us just don't really think about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's one of those things you just have to be aware of what's going on in the clinic and trying to make sure everyone is on the same page. Hey, we, this is what's happening right now. We need to take 15 and if we're cutting up in the back, like go outside or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have um, your students like role play what this might look like or? Yes, I have. I've had them do that where like someone pretends to be the client and then someone is the technician and a receptionist. Okay. Um, I have had that um, where I create like a little scenario, like this is yeah. what's happening. Maybe it's an emergency or Fluffy's been your pet for the past, 18 years yeah <laughs> um, those kinds of things uh just kind of varies I just make them up every year it's not the same thing yeah I get bored <laughs> with the same things <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah and then we so, yeah and so I mean we don't spend too long on it because it's kind of a sad topic we talk about yeah. that and, you know like there's things that you can do for clients afterwards like one clinic it was kind of weird but we made um Christmas balls for them with like the animal's hair so we would take a clipping of their hair as it after they passed and then put them in like clear Christmas balls with like glitter and write their name all cute on it and send it to them at Christmas (laughs) I'm not quite sure how I feel about that (laughs) yeah I mean I guess I just got used to it I worked there for like (laughs) seven eight years (laughs) oh my gosh um and and then other places we've done like clay paw prints or we tried to do a scrapbooking one where we would like paint their paw and that was cute but long (laughs) so uh, I think most places stick to like the paw prints Um, yeah that's pretty normal standard but other places do other things and we would send cards with every clinic I've ever been in um, as far as even emergency medicine we still had something for those clients we would send them Okay. In, in remembrance. Yeah, um, that's good to know. Yeah. And so then um, we, we don't spend a lot of time. We move on into like OSHA. Um, okay. It, it's really boring to you, um, but mm-hmm. it's necessary that they know that OSHA overacts everything within a clinic. Um, we don't spend a lot of time on that either because <laughs> there's a lot of things you can get into. And like, some of these topics you can spend whole semesters or years on in vet school. So Mm-hmm. it's one of those things we could make it really long if we want but let's not <laughs> yeah because we would probably die of boredom 
<laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll save that for vet school and tech school like you can take yeah. those classes <laughs> and then um, we move into the physical exam um, not just um, with the physical exam they learn the body system so it's kind of a two-part deal so they learn how to receive a client and then also like what are the body systems that you're looking at okay and then um, the clinical exams which would be like your um your analysis, fecals, um, any of those in-house things that you would take the samples for, um, and then radiology, and then lastly, emergency medicine. Okay. Um, I feel like radiology is one that, I don't know, I don't know that I've ever gone over radiology, so that's interesting. I don't, I, I just really talk more about, like, fractures you might see, or, like, okay. Um, techniques like so when you talk about body positioning kind of underneath where I do terminology we go back and kind of visit like hey so when we talked about an animal being dorsal this is why you would need to know that because they're going to ask for a dv view what does that mean (laughs) Um, oh that goes back to their terminology yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I have to add that into my curriculum. <laughs> and it's something, I mean, like, all of this is, like, it sounds like a lot, but once you start getting into the subject and a few of the little labs and activities you do, it's really just more of that stuff that takes up time than the actual mm-hmm. subject. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked some about a little bit about your activities that you do. Um, and I asked you, like, what are your lessons that are like, these are must have lessons or these are my go to lessons that I do absolutely do every single year. Um, what are some of those? Um, so my go to lessons um, for one is the physicals. Since we have animals that come in for grooming, that's pretty easy to uh, take one out and say, hey, we're going to learn how to do a TPR on it. And. We may not actually do the temperature on every animal, uh, but understanding how to do it is easy because uh, some animals just don't like it and I don't want to fight them for it because it's, yeah. it's not medically necessary at the moment. Yeah. Um, but as long as they understand how to do those things as a technician or an assistant, they'll be good because then they can just kind of pick up on that and, and learn better from there. Um. um. I'm really impressed. Do you guys have like community dogs coming in and getting groomed? And this is a side note. I'm very impressed. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> mostly it's um, students and teachers. Um, a few outside animals do come in, uh, but mostly students and teachers bring their animals in. I have like a little grooming form they fill out and they bring me their vaccine records and we're good to go. <laughs> and you do the grooming? You teach the students how to do grooming? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so we're not... That's like, like a very specific <laughs> skill set, I feel like. We're not professional groomers, but we try um, <laughs> to get it close to what they're asking for. And, you know, students, they're learning. So sometimes it looks like a learning op- job and sometimes yeah. it's really good. <laughs> um, but for the most part, over the semester and year, they get really uh, good at it and they get faster um dogs that used to take them a long time they would knock out in a whole class period so I am impressed that is really cool Mm -hmm. I was just talking to um the district that I teach in we have three schools that have um agriculture programs Mm -hmm. and so I was talking to one of the teachers at the other school and she just did a case training in Texas oh and she did the animal science case training and she said 
she's like, Texas agriculture programs are just so much cooler than <laughs> Minnesota's ag program. Which we have some really cool things going on here, but you guys have like the, you know, like the school farms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we do not have that in Minnesota. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. We have that one here <laughs> yeah. too, as well. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So I'm impressed with the um, with the dog grooming. That is so Thank awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I oh. like it. It's fun. It's kind of a way to get out of the classroom, so to say. Um, yeah. Breaks up that monotony. Um, I do have to rotate kids because 20-something kids touching a dog is not realistic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have them broken up into groups. Like, today you're on grooming, you're on channel, and then the other ones are just maintaining the classroom and the small little animals in there sure yeah oh my gosh that's so cool okay so sorry it's okay <laughs> do physicals then on the grooming dog what's another mm-hmm. one of your lessons um the body system so I think that's really important that they know uh, all the body systems and that helps them out whether they want to stay in animal medicine or we do have several students that end up in the medical industry but they've come back and said, oh, my gosh, it's so um, re- relative to the human anatomy. Like, I understood when yes. I switched over. Um, and I think that's really important for them to understand. So this, I usually just do a few little labs along with it. But this year, I had them create, like, a anatomy notebook uh, okay. with each section that we did. So if we talked about the respiratory system, they would have this little outline of a dog and they got to draw in the respiratory system and that would be like one page in there and so then in the end each of those were like a daily grade and then in the end it was a test grade to have the whole book put together um and it was really cool some of those kids are really good at drawing and talented and I wasn't grading on your talent yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was really cool to see how well some of those kids could really put together a really nice anatomy book um, that they could take on I had several say that they wanted to keep it and then put it in their, their stuff for later in life. Yeah. How cool. I yeah. love seeing that student creativity too. And it was fun. Um, it was, it was kind of one of the things that had been in my mind, like a few years teaching the anatomy section, like, how are they going to remember this? Like what's, I mean, besides notes they can take home, but realistically they're probably going to dump their journal in the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So what is something they can actually take home and at least have some kind of remembrance of those different systems? And and that was my way to get them to do it. Yeah, I have seen on the the AGA discussion has done where they do like transparencies and it Mm -hmm. sounds very similar to like what you have the students do and then they can like lay on top of each other which I think is cool too but just having them like have that visual of the different body systems is awesome and I had tried that before and that was kind of where I started with the idea was how do you build upon this because it didn't really work well with 20 something kids in two different classes and having close to 40 yeah so, I mean, just the amount of permanent markers and transparencies you have to buy, it was... I didn't even little... think about that. That's yeah. such a good point. <laughs> so, and, it, and it became a little messy because not every kid draws cute yes. and exact like the white yeah. model. <laughs> and so I felt like this was easier and it didn't really like make them feel bad because it didn't line up. 
Um, so yeah. each pose is like different. So you had your, you started with like your external anatomy and then move on from there. So it was like, it built upon each other. And then you had this whole book. <laughs> this is why I am having you on today to talk about vet science. So I didn't have to make that mistake. <laughs> I'm using that. Because that's so right. true. Well, I'll send it to you if you want it. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Um, okay, so we have the um, physicals, and then we do the body systems with their notebook. What's another one you have? Uh, the suture lesson. They love that. So yeah, a lot of things that you might read about lesson plans um, say use bananas, and I find those not to be very fun. They rip all the time. They're just not really easy to do sutures on so I said yeah what it what is something that in the grocery store resembles skin like that was my go-to thing so I was like chicken chicken yeah gotta do chicken so um I've seen various people do like they'll get like a chicken wing or whatever but I just take like the huge breast packages and like cut them up maybe about a four by four piece and they get two slits on there and I don't teach every type of suture out there they're yeah. just going to learn um, how to do like a simple interrupted where it's just one suture and then you tie a knot, one suture, tie a knot, or a continuous suture where you start at one end and then you go and then at the other end is the knot. Um, and they and they love it. They get their own little suture and I'm like telling them, I mean, because it's kind of expensive. It's $500 a package, um, but they all get one little suture um, string and, it, and it's, there's plenty there to do both of those types of sutures. Yeah, a matter of they need to be aware of where their suture is and where they're starting because if they use it all they're not going to get another one Um, okay and so it's kind of one of those you have to kind of monitor what they're doing and it's really kind of cumbersome at first like even me not doing it all the time like I'm like oh let me try this again (laughs) yeah Um, so it's not a perfect thing that even I have to have a couple times where I practice before I show them (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's one of those it's fun they get to use suture and they have a blast because they're like oh I know how to suture now (laughs) I know I whenever I do suturing in my vet class they are always so excited um for whatever reason like it's just and I like doing it too but we always use bananas and I agree with you that I always feel like I don't know they're just not quite there like they're always ripping through mm-hmm. the bananas or the bananas are too hard and just I feel like don't replicate what skin would be like and yes and and that's the thing with like the chicken too like if they get too close to an edge it'll rip out um but I'm like if you get a little bit more like you'll it's more like skin like yeah being able to put it together so it's it's fun they like that one and get to learn a little bit <laughs> yeah Okay, what else do you have for us? Any other? Um, like, you have to do these or you should do these. I do um, CPR and like bandaging. So critical care is important. We see a lot of injuries. Um, so I teach CPR and then I teach the bandaging, um, just simple bandages because bandaging material can be really expensive as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> to throw away. So um I teach them simple things so that way they have a good base. And then if something happened at home, they'd be able to take care of it and um, go from there. So I I really think it's important that they know those little things um, and how to take care of an emergency because it's stressful for anybody in that situation. And you have to learn how to calm down and, and look at the situation. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, you have a note here too that you're yeah. working on another lab and I'm yes. really interested about it. <laughs> okay. So I've been like figuring out how to do a venipuncture lab. So I have this huge stuffed animal that one of my students gave me a long time ago and we created fake veins through it with like a cephalic vein and then also like a jugular well that worked for a little bit but it started to leak and I still have it but it's not the most ideal for 45 kids a year to practice on so I was like how how do I do this like what what can work um and I've seen like where they've done the pool noodle one and I'm like this just isn't like the same as like actually going into a vein I'm like how do I make this realistic so while I was gonna search for pool noodles to kind of use as like the base I couldn't find any so I found these like dollar tree swords the foam swords okay and so they have a handle on it and I took like the handle and I um, left that on but I took the little part off that looks like a sword like where you would yeah. put your hand under it yeah, yeah and then I just have like the foam and then I cut out a probably about a quarter inch like trench through the whole sword like um, okay going up it and so then I found some like latex tubing because I've tried different types of tubing and stuff from like Home Depot or Lowe's and nothing really seemed to be working until I found latex tubing and I found the right size on like Amazon the one I was looking for Uh, it's just a little bit smaller than the one like you'd find at Home Depot okay and so I bought like a whole roll of this stuff and I found (laughs) (laughs) and I found like these um stoppers like that go on the end of like I don't even know what they're used for at Home Depot, but they're metal and they will plug up the ends. Perfect. Okay. So I have that on one end and then um, you have to use a catheter tip syringe on the other one where it's um, pointed and then comes down um, to a tip. Yeah. It's wider at the base. I'm sorry. And then pointed at the end. Um, And so you, you would fill your blood in that catheter and you push it down through the vein and you can kind of, um, keep pressure on it so the vein feels like it's popping well around that sword I wrapped fake fur and um, you when you feel for the vein it feels like a real vein underneath that fur and so because I made a model of it to see if this would even work <laughs> and, oh my god yeah. so cool <laughs> and so it did I put like food coloring for this time but I'm going to try to find like fake blood to use like you can buy that on NASCO and so um, it works like once you stuck the syringe in and if you hadn't used it, you would see like the flashback, like the red coming in there. Um, and then you can even do an IV catheter placement. Um, I just won't have him shave it like he normally would, but I'll show him like, here's how you put it in. And this is what you would tape it down like. Um, I just, it'd be way too much uh, work to rebuild these every year. So yeah, I've kind of worked on them as I've taught class. <laughs> um at the same time and so it's one of those things that just over time it takes a lot of gluing and drying and putting it together and I had a lot of trials and errors until I (laughs) built the first one correctly (laughs) Uh, and so it's been it's been fun Um, I know there's like things out there but they cost a lot of money yeah Uh, and when there's five teachers in my department you don't always get everything 
right away. Um, and we have a good school system. Like we get a lot of stuff. It's just kind of a priority list. And that was not up there. <laughs> yeah. But, you guys have five teachers. That is so insane to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's five of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am going to have to come visit you all in Texas. There yes, in... please do. <laughs> <laughs> Check out your programs. Yes. They <laughs> sound amazing. Thank you. Uh, that sounds so cool. Do you, you should post, do you have pictures of it? Um, no, but I can. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to see pictures of it. Cause that sounds really cool. It sounds like, what is the size, um, as far as like animals do you like what size leg would it be similar to um, like a Labrador so it'd be okay. kind of similar to a Labrador maybe like a little bit wider than some. Okay. they just have to be I mean it's just I bought like this like fake brown fur at Hobby Lobby <laughs> and <laughs> bought a whole bunch <laughs> like the lady looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> yeah like what are you doing with this <laughs> <laughs> and so I just bought that and then um cut it up and wrapped it around and glued it on that is cool yeah (laughs) okay so those are your go-to lessons that you think Mm -hmm. that most teachers should be teaching if they're teaching about science class I think so I mean kind of like the emergency medicine that's not for everyone so it could be something maybe you put a lesson in that you really like at the end but sure I kind of save that as my like power punch in the end of the vet class. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, the emergency medicine though, I just really think is important, especially when you have students in your class who are probably, you know, like not going on to a degree in vet, but they're mm-hmm. probably going to have pets at home. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like almost that one out of all of them is probably going to be one that they might actually utilize. So I don't know. I like that one. I think that's great. Thank you. All right. What are some common myths that you notice teachers might be teaching? (laughs) Um, I don't know if there's like myths, like specifically, like maybe they just aren't used to like maybe how a vet clinic does something. And so they're teaching like textbook. Um, And that's what I tell the kids too. Like sometimes I teach you maybe a different way that you might read in a textbook or you may hear it differently because I was taught differently. Um, And so that's kind of maybe where some things might be a little different for other teachers is how, is how they're taught um, themselves or how they've self-taught themselves to teach it. Um, Absolutely. and, And that's where I think it's fun for everyone. You get to put your own spin on it just depending on what experience you've had. Yeah. And then not just like a myth, but like I notice a lot of people that try to push veterinary degrees on students when realistically they need to look at like their grades and say, that's probably not going to be an option. I mean, we don't want to be dream squashers by any means, but when you see students that are struggling or repeating grades or in credit recovery and they're like, Oh, you can be anything you want to be. I feel like they need to have a real conversation with them Yeah, and and say, look, you're not on that path. Like if you want to be, you need to straighten up. But many times I don't see them doing that or they're just barely skating by and they're still at graduation. Oh, you're going to be a vet. That's great. And not talking about other options out there. And I think that's, 
important for them to know what other options are out there because that school's really hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> even like the tech school's hard. So I can't even imagine like what that is like tenfold for a student uh, that's, that's struggling. And so I try to have them focus on community colleges um, and taking classes to see like what college intensity is like. Um, and I do this for all of my students. I don't single out students. Uh, we go to the local community college here at Palo Alto and they visit like the vet tech program that they have. Um, okay. And they also have uh, a few courses in agriculture. So it's not something they have to go into, but hey, if you still want to stay in the industry, you can still take courses along the means of agriculture here. It's a community college um, and just showing them what is out there that are other options um, and having them volunteer and work in clinics. Um, that's why we have a practicum class so they can know if that's what they want to do. I've had several kids after they've worked and they're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're like, this is not for me, like full time in my life. Like they, they have a lot of misconceptions about veterinary science, I think in their head, like puppies and kittens and even yeah. though you can teach all these things, they just don't get it until they've been in the clinic. Um, yeah. So working in a clinic during that practicum class gives them a good sense of what it's like. Um, and, and like the day-to-day -day activities for the staff and the nitty gritty of it, because it's not all pretty. I mean, I've worked in a kennel all the way up to head technician before, and there's some things you just don't want to do, but you have to do because it has to be done. And yeah. I mean, animals have to be locked, whether it's you or the kennel person. Like, if they're really swamped, you got to go help them, even if that's not your job, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, I'm such a huge supporter of like the students getting, uh, like doing job shadowing. Yes. Uh, checking out the community colleges first and like, I am a really huge supporter, too, of, like, you don't have to call it, go to college, but you need to do some type of, like, mm -hmm. training um, after high school, and I feel like there's, like, been such a huge push for students to go to four-year colleges or to go to college in general mm -hmm. uh, that they, like, immediately think they need to be that veterinarian because that means however many years of college yes um, and I think sometimes like we forget to skip over all of those other jobs that support people mm -hmm. <laughs> that are veterinarians or whatever it might be um, and those jobs are needed and so I it's amazing that you're doing all of that and kind of making sure that you're helping students find where they fit well and, th and that's the thing. It's not for everyone. So they have to learn what is, what is it that they want to do? If, and I tell them, like, if you're not sure, like, that's where you need to start. Like, start small. Like, don't go off to a university or even college if you don't know what you want. Like, you're just going to waste your time and money. Um, start working in the clinic. There's plenty of clinics that will hire you on. It's like the kennel staff or a receptionist and start there to see if you even like it if they can't take that class um and they're graduating i think that's a good way for them to start um, and have an attainable goal um say i'm gonna work here this long and how do i like it um or i've been in community college and the classes are really awesome i'm doing great what's the next step um i think that like you said is really important to 
push students maybe in different directions, not all towards that university. Yeah, absolutely. So when we were chatting a little bit, you told me that you also help students prepare for the vet science Mm -hmm. CD, which we um, historically have not had in Minnesota. We've just had like a small animal care CD, um, which is interesting. But (laughs) anyways, we just have kind of transitioned our CDE. So it is vet science now. Um, So (laughs) I selfishly am curious what your tips and tricks are for the vet science. Um, Well, for our area, I'm in an area seven and it's really competitive in our area as well as many others. Um, But um, the biggest thing is to have students that are willing to memorize uh, because if they're not willing to memorize, they're not going to be successful. It really is just a lot of memorization. uh, And that's, kind of why studying is key that's why I have that written there like studying is key um because for one you have all those questions um that are pre-given to you and they just have to memorize them all because 50 are selected for the test and those to me are like give me points I tell the kids and and I can tell you all these study tips it doesn't mean my students always do this (laughs) yeah I'm like I can't learn it for you like you have to do it (laughs) I know (laughs) so don't think I'm like the person that has got students that do this all the time but you get those few that come along (laughs) and and we've been successful but it comes in waves but um, the questions are the biggest thing because those are like give me points like why not earn free points in a contest (laughs) yeah (laughs) right okay the answer is there Mm -hmm. like just memorize it um and then next um we've created because they kind of switch over like every several years uh like five years a a new set of things so um I've been through the first set and then this is my second set of things and we've created powerpoints quizlets and flashcards for each of those um and those have been the most helpful I know that in the past they've had like little booklets put together maybe just the tools or something like that and I really don't think that those are as helpful as really creating a whole powerpoint with several different looks of that tool or um, different pictures of that organ um, or species uh, like the breeds because there's just so many different things that could be pulled that is that same thing yeah (laughs) so do you have the students create those PowerPoints and Quizlets and stuff? Or um, do you already have them like pre-made? Well, I did in the beginning. So when it first came out, they started on it. And I just kind of re-edited the PowerPoints. And, you know, those okay. get better over time. And then kind of seems like by the time you get it done, it's like, let's go on to the next set. <laughs> so yes. um, we're good right <laughs> now as far as like, they, I just have them go over that every year. And they I share them on the Google Drive. So that way they all have access to it. Um and they can pull it up on their phones pretty easy to study. Um, Quizlet is kind of one of those, like, they, it comes and goes. Some of the kids like it and some don't. Um, and then flashcards, that's been really helpful. I know um, Judging Card has a test bank that you can purchase access to, and it'll pull up, like, 50 questions. Like, you're actually taking the test in the contest, and it'll, like, yeah. Oh, cool. So, like, I subscribe to that and then they get to utilize that to like taking um, quizzes um, for the question bank. Um, I did not know judging. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, 
I knew a little bit of it. So I have, I've had him do that, but you can actually generate one yourself and print it off, not just the quiz bank that they can do. Cause they have one where they can log in and it's just under their name. But with that test bank, you can pull 50 questions or however many you want. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. I'm going to have to look into that. (laughs) And that was hot to me. So I didn't just know that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the practicums, I feel like those are kind of where it gets a little bit of a gray area. So in this is the first year someone finally agreed with me that the way they're written, they're not exactly how you might actually do it. So it makes, to me, I think it's easier if you've never worked in a clinic because you just do it step by step like it says on there. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. The whole time I'm trying to like read this off to them. And I'm like, this is not how you do it. And finally, because this year we switched where we do our area contest. And that's where I went to college. And she was like, this is not right. And I'm like, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is driving me crazy. Right. (laughs) But we can't do anything about it. It's written by the university. And then they, um, that's how they want it. man so I mean it's just kind of one of those things like I guess you'll never satisfy those that have been in a clinic like us like we're like yeah "Ah, this is not how you actually do it like (laughs) yeah it kind of goes in a different order but um okay it's one of so you're just having students go through and memorize uh the practicum so step by step this is Mm -hmm. what you would do and then some of them are kind of like vague and so that's where it gets a little uh like practice can be a little hard sometimes because like for instance it was like putting medication in the ears this year well yes you could say the directions are to put it in the left ear but they started using like the medical terminology um so if they said do it au what does that mean well they would have to know um (laughs) and so okay yeah um, that's where i kind of i guess i did it really teach them that as well this year I guess I just kind of overlooked it in my head like oh I know this I mean (laughs) to myself whereas oh they didn't know what those terms are is that kind of making sense (laughs) yeah and so sometimes Mm -hmm. I find myself where I've done it so long that I just do it and then I know (laughs) I don't remember to tell them step by step like hey this is the term for it um and then they're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and so some of the years, they're a little easier than others, I find, um, just depending on w- what practicum it is that they have them doing. Um, and there's usually a set of like four or five uh, different practicums, and then you just never know which one or two they're going to choose at the contest. Um, okay. And they just have to know it. <laughs> That's what I tell them. I'm like, yeah. just keep going over it and try your best. Like, there's nothing you can do once you've done it like just do it (laughs) do you um I mean how much do you like practice cds in class Mm. or is it just some of like the stuff that you teach in your class carries over to the cds or do you have like kids that do the contests that have already been in your class or it's kind of both so like some of the kids are younger and um they don't have my class yet so they haven't been exposed to it um okay and they and I do have practices before or after school just depending on the day um yeah and then some of the students like if they're in my class and it's getting closer to 
more like area not like just little contests I'll have them go in the back end y'all are responsible for studying you need to be studying and if you're not then yeah whatever the grade is for the day I'm going to give you a zero but (laughs) if you're studying like it's going to be a hundred um I don't know if that's really correct (laughs) what I should be doing but um there's a there's like a fine line like they should be in class and not really doing that and there's a lot of teachers that do teach CDE team in their class and like but I feel like if I focus on just those few students I lose a whole class in their attention yeah I feel like there it's always an interesting like dance to me Mm -hmm. as far as like how to make that work in your class and I know some teachers that um do it really seamlessly and almost make a kind of like differentiation um of teaching Mm -hmm. like within the class and having different groups of kids do different things um and then other teachers where it's like um every day for weeks you see that they're bringing their kids that are on the team and just having them practice Mm -hmm. so it's interesting um right the different the different things that you see or hear about um in teachers class right so I'm just curious like how do I make this work so I have a little bit less work and students get a little bit more practice and And that's the thing like I feel bad if I leave 20 something kids sitting there I mean I'm not gonna say it never happens but to to, like focus on them for a minute but if I'm doing that for four weeks they're gonna be bored of that class and not want to refocus when it comes time (laughs) and I've I have learn the hard way so I've had to kind of step back and say no if y'all would like to continue with the team and be do this I just won't be your teacher during that time like we have practices for that stuff um but y'all can go practice on your own more like inquiry-based learning like they yeah uh, or work-based learning either one actually um so they can do their own like stuff in the back lab um other than that like I just have to focus on the classroom because I have so many students. Um, yeah. Where I guess maybe if you had a small class, it might be a little easy to kind of focus on them more. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that's a good point. Like every, every program so different. Right. And if you have nine kids in a class and four of them are, you know, then it might be different mm-hmm. than if you have 40 students in a class. And right. <laughs> whatnot. So I think that's a really good, really good point. You bring right. And, and they're changing our classes this year to like longer class periods. So 50 minutes is going to go to 90 minutes. That's a lot of time kids would just sit there. So <laughs> um, you have 90 minute classes. That is long. I, a little, I, I think it's good for lab days, but it's not. Yes, absolutely. I, it's going to be a little challenging at first, but I think it'll be something we can work hopefully maybe more labs into that I just don't get around to doing yeah like oh we got to move on to the next subject well maybe this will help put those in there um yeah I I can see for lab days that that being really really helpful and then being able to like get up set up and clean up and everything and not being stressed (laughs) out but on other days that it makes me like oh my god what would I do for night right (laughs) I'm a little worried but I'll be fine (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what support and or resources are available for teachers out there? Maybe some that you use that you think other people should take a look um, at. So like in the beginning, I said I use a lot of different resources. And so a few of them and I have some more that I use. It's just I kind of pulled this off the top of my head. 
Um, and if anybody ever has any questions, they can always reach out to me. And I have like a list of websites that I just like collectively keep. <laughs> uh, yeah. And some of it also came from books I had in like that tech school that I pull from like, hey, this is pretty cool. Look at this. Or you could expand okay. on this topic and like laboratory animals. Like I pull out that book and I pass it around for when we talk about um, just um, different procedures I'm like well look at this you could even work on lab animals <laughs> um, yeah okay so, I mean, cool. there's some things that maybe you just won't have yourself or uh, not worth buying a $30 book just to pass around the class um, yeah <laughs> right and so but I'm was always told like when I was going through ag education um, classes um, a teacher is the best thief uh <laughs> because <laughs> um we do beg borrow and steal um lessons <laughs> yep yep and um but a lot of people are usually very kind and willing to share and so yeah. I think that a few of the, the sites that I've found to be helpful is um A&M has one that's called peer p-e-e-r um and okay. they have several good base uh basic lessons and a few that get a little um in depth just kind of depending on the sub subject. So they have some that are like strictly under veterinary medicine, but then they have a search option and there's actually other ones there. Um, so it's just kind of one of those, you just search and maybe it's there kind of thing. I don't, I mean, you don't really have okay. like a list to look at. You just search. Yeah. Um, okay. And then Georgia Ag Ed had a good CTE website that has yeah. several good lessons. Yes. Um, and then honestly, like, Sometimes I'm not as inspired as others, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And I love the Ag Teacher Buddies because they might post something and I'm like, oh, I can do this or I'll modify it for myself and like do it that way. And that's where I've kind of taken on some of the lessons and just created them for how they work for my classroom versus maybe yeah. others. Um, like one of my favorite ones I found this year was the abscess lesson with the sponges. I don't know if you saw that. Okay. No. So okay. You, Tell me you about that. like the sponge with pudding <laughs> um, in a balloon, and then you put that in the sponge. I'm, I was getting a little ahead. So you fill the balloon with pudding, put it in the sponge, and then you have them like lance open the other side <laughs> and like squish out the pus. <laughs> okay, that sounds so awesome. So, I mean, like they were like, you could add food coloring, and like I was like, I didn't do that this year because I was like, let's just try this. <laughs> Um, but that was probably one of my favorite ones to teach them like so beforehand you're gonna clean up the wound and these can get really nasty and you know there's some really cool videos out there you can pull up and I have a really gross abscess story <laughs> that I go that I say oh. that I tell sorry that I tell them every time I talk about abscesses so this just made it better <laughs> I Oh my gosh. I love like all that gross stuff. That's why yes. I love parasites. I love the abscesses, like pus and all that stuff. I think Me it's too. So cool. And like some of the kids. Blood is a different story. I get a little queasy with blood and feel like I'm oh, going to pass no. out. I love but... it all, except for human medicine. Oh. Like, but um, I mean, I don't mind those videos on like human medicine, but I don't want to touch it. Like, animals yeah. is like totally different. I'm like, oh, shots? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the Egg Teacher Buddies is a Facebook yes. group. So egg teachers can go and search that if they don't 
are or not already a part of it and then they can find cool lessons like the abscess Mm -hmm. and And then just like every sponges and everything is on there like so they have a google share drive um not just the facebook group so you have to be added to it um and so when you get on ag teacher buddies you just say hey can you add me to the teacher website um to one of the admins and they'll and they'll help you out um and so the, the Google Share Drive has a lot of cool things on there, not just um, for lesson plans, but I've seen stuff to do with officer planning and um, oh, great. some of the other <laughs> day-to-day activities that maybe you don't think about ahead of time. And you're like, oh, this is coming up. Yeah. What, do I need? what do I need? And then that's already there. I'm like, I'm a real big believer in don't recreate the wheel unless it's necessary. Um, yep. Just modify mm-hmm. it. <laughs> And so I found that to be probably one of the most helpful things um, out there because not just there, but you can ask for anyone's help. Like, anybody have a lesson on this? I'm really struggling coming up with something. Sure. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't? Not that I can think of. Anything else you want to share? I mean, I can go on and on and on. (laughs) Maybe we'll have to do part two (laughs) after you've taught this year and you have like more cool lessons that you've done. Yes, I'll probably have more time this year, so I'll probably get more in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to wrap up with my three favorite questions. (laughs) Um, And I love doing these at the end of my podcast because then um, my listeners can get to know you a little bit better and I can get to know you a little bit better. So. My first question is who has, who has had the most influence on your teaching career? Okay. Um, so there's a lot of people. I would also say like my yeah. teachers from when I was in high school. Um, I was a totally different student. If you told me I was going to teach, I'd have told you no way, no how. Uh-uh. I don't like to get up in front of people. And now I can just talk <laughs> all day with my yeah. kids. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess like singling out, I have two really influential people that helped me into my career. Um, and that was one was uh, one of the professors at Texas State. His name was Dr. Morish. And then um, my current teaching partner, Jay Trees. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Dr. Morish was one that like pushed me into this. Um, he made me come out of my comfort zone. He's the one who suggested I do ag ed along with my degree and then he told me I was student teaching at Judson and I was like no and he's like yes <laughs> and then um so I did it and um it wasn't where I was hoping to be at like I had different dreams when they said oh you're gonna student teach I'm like oh okay it's gonna be totally different and then they were like no yeah um but I couldn't have asked for a better school uh, just opening your eyes and not believing all the like uh, misconceptions about a high school or um, mm-hmm. the stories you hear. I mean, I didn't grow up far from there, but I'd never been there. And all you know yeah. is like what you hear. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm really glad that he pushed me to go there. Um, and then from day one of student teaching, um, that's why I would say um, Jay Trees was my second most influential person in my teaching career because um, he pushed me. He was like, you're going to teach from day one. <laughs> I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, I can do this, um, which is not really normal of like student teaching. Um, being I was a little older uh, when I went back into this field, uh, they felt like I was capable of handling it. Um, I had experience in the 
in industry before so it wasn't like I'm straight out of college and 22 years old I was like 27 (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) or 26 something like that I don't remember yeah and um so he he was like you're gonna you're gonna teach from day one we we need you to do this and I was like okay so um that's why I will be forever indebted to him believing in me um in supporting not only me as a teacher but our program um it takes everyone to support a program not just one person yeah so having everyone involved as a team is um probably how a program is the most successful absolutely gosh it sounds like you had some great people along I the did. way just cheering you <laughs> yeah <on. laughs> so it's been fun I mean there's plenty of other people you know you could go on I got to thank my yeah. mom and dad <laughs> I know um we're gonna have to start playing yeah. the music and cut you off <laughs> um okay this is my next favorite one because I like to think that I'm a foodie oh, um but what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? okay um so they have this place called Antlers and I, uh, it used to be in a different location, but it's located in a kind of near where it used to be, but they have the best like jalapeno mac and cheese. Um, and that's like my favorite <laughs> part of it, but like, then I just get the chicken fried steak cause that's what I like. And then, green green. but <laughs> the jalapeno mac and cheese is the highlight of it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, so I love mac and cheese, but I am very like Northern, like Minnesotan, and I, jalapeno mac and cheese makes me feel like my face would melt off. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's got a little spice, but it's it's really good and cheesy more so than anything. Okay. Well, you Southerners <laughs> and all of your spicy food that you eat. I'm up here with my hot dish and I think ketchup's a little bit spicy sometimes. Oh, yes. so. <laughs> I used to be like pretty sensitive, but over time it just gets better. <laughs> okay my last question for you is what are three of your simple joys um okay so it took it took me a long time to like figure the first one out so just taking time for yourself like you can run and run 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 and burn both candles at the end um but you have to take time for yourself because if you look at ag and ag teaching especially like it's an industry that never stops I mean if you want to sit at the school 24 7 you could and you would never be done with yep. your work <laughs> no I mean, there's always stuff that could be done so I had to yeah. learn to say no I don't have anything going on today I'm not gonna stay till 8 p.m just because um and I'm gonna mm-hmm. go do something today like I'm gonna leave when they tell us we can leave and I'm gonna go do my nails or like over the summer we have a little flexibility so um uh, I made time to go spend like a lunch with my mom or uh, just to take a weekend and say, I'm not working this weekend. I've worked throughout the school year and other weekends during the summer and overnights and stuff that you just have to say, no, I'm not like, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Unless it's, you know, there's emergencies. I can't say that you're not, but um, just to try to like really set aside time for yourself and, and family um, that kind of goes along that lines on the first line. And then um, making time for friends. um, That's important too. Cause a lot of times I used to just say, no, I can't make it. I can't make it. But I try to make that time now to connect with some friends that are really important in my life. Um, and that way I don't, I don't lose out on, <laughs> on friends. Um, 
and then coffee. That's probably a must <laughs> for a lot of us. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's a simple joy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you there for sure. Those are great, simple joys. I love them. And I, you're so right. We could work until forever. We could work until forever. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to just pause and say, time for myself and my friends and sip Mm -hmm. on my coffee and enjoy life a little bit too (laughs) yes absolutely. okay so how can the audience find you if they have questions or if they want to connect up with you and get some of your resources all that good stuff um well I'm on Facebook and Instagram sometimes my email like at school doesn't work very well if people try to email me um so that would be the easiest to like message me on there and then we can get connected like I could give you that email and that way I know to look for it um specifically or um uh just I have other emails that are personal that I could use too but that's probably the easiest way to find me and um get connected perfect well thank you so much for sharing all of your your wealth of knowledge thank you uh, for for vet science (laughs) and um I think this is going to be great I know a lot of my um egg teacher friends uh teach vet science or something similar small Mm -hmm. animal care something like that right Um, and so I'm excited for them to be able to use some of this stuff and that's the thing like some of these teaks are so um combined like you could do small animal in vet medicine too if you didn't teach that specific course whereas like some may have the specific ones and so I love how diverse the program is Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much. Thanks again. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Thank you so much. You just finished listening to episode 14 of Egg with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about that science curriculum and the career development event. For show notes, please visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger for more info. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you yourself want to be a guest, you can send me an email at eggwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.